Well, I'm, I'm really happy to be here today, and, and I know every speaker always says that, but I actually mean it. I, I really am. Um, I've, been a, I've, been a, I've been a fan of this city. Um, people, you know, that, that know me now say, well, because our, our kids, right, this summer, they're all here, and um, they're like, well, did you grow up in D.C.? It's like five years ago, I had never been to D.C. in my life. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it's become such a big part of our life, and, uh, and I like it. I, 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 like, I like the changes. I like this city, and uh, my, my kids love it. I'm going to live the rest of their life here, and uh, so that's all right. I, I, I like it, and I've been a fan of the table for a long time, and, and if you've ever heard me talk, I, I, I share this story, but... Ashley was, was sort of the first of our children to move here, and so she was looking for a church, and she, uh, she wasn't sure where to go, and, and somehow she, she ran, I don't know how she ran into the table, but she found it, and uh, she kept telling me she's at this church, and I could never remember the name, and I kept thinking the foyer, uh, you know, and, and she kept saying, no, Dad, it's the table, and finally she said, think food, Right? And then if you know my daughter, okay, food is what her whole life is about. And uh, so I've been able to remember your name ever since then, that it's the table. So, so one Saturday afternoon, I was studying at Starbucks in, in South Carolina, and um, I'm looking up, I, since I could remember it, I thought, I'm going to look up this church and see what it's about. So I'm looking it up on the website, and I'm, I'm looking at all the different things that you do, and, and you can tell by the website the character of a church and uh, I just, I just got to tell you, I, I'm sitting in Starbucks, and, and, I, and I just start crying, and I can't stop. Uh, it's embarrassing. I don't really like for people to see me crying, but I'm sitting in Starbucks, and I just can't stop because, and here's, here's what it was, that, that this is the kind of church that would attract my daughter. That just meant everything to me. You know, I, uh, I grew up in the Churches of Christ, and we're pretty straight-laced, and I'm pretty straight-laced. And I don't necessarily like that about myself, but it's true. And um, we sing a cappella, which means there's no band. And um, that's how straight-laced we are. And uh, I know you can laugh. It's, you should laugh. Uh, <clears throat> but um, I, I sense God moving in my life right now. And I feel like some of the things I want to talk to you about this morning are happening in my life right now. I, I resigned from my pastorate five weeks ago today, and I had been there for 18 years. And so that's, that's been hard, and, and, and I can... And, and, and also, and this is, this is part of the reason why I'm so happy to be here is because, believe it or not, I actually need you today. Shortly after I resigned, my dad went into the hospital. He's been in the hospital for about three weeks. He's still in the hospital. I don't know that he's ever going to be able to go home just to normal. I think he's probably going to have to go to some kind of assisted living. And uh, that's going to be a big change for him and my mom. And, and also, we, while we were dealing with that, I'm finding out that my father-in-law is in the hospital in Texas. And so that's where my wife is today. She's with her dad, and he's probably not going home either. And he's probably going to even, he's going to have to go for even more care. So it's been, it's been a heavy month. And, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be strong, okay? So here I am in my family, particularly between my wife and I. You know, we're, we're dealing with all this stuff that's going on in our world, and I'm trying to be strong. How many of you try to be strong? How about you men, right? How many of you men go to the gym? Yule told me he gets up real early and goes to the gym. Okay, I, I'm part of a cult, okay? <laughs> the CrossFit cult, okay? So... <laughs> <laughs> and, and we think everybody's like us, and we're weird. I know that. But uh, I, I work out at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, most mornings. And uh, it's just something about, it's not just men, but, but women too. We're all trying to be strong. But do you know the number one shame issue for men? Do you know what shames us more than anything else? Anything that makes us look weak, right? That's the number one shame issue that men face. And so we're trying to be strong. So we flip tires and we lift things over our heads, but it's not all physical strength. And, and sometimes we're trying to be strong mentally or we're trying to be strong emotionally. We're trying to be strong. And so, you know, when I'm flying to D.C., it's amazing to me what people are reading, right? Most places are reading some goofy novel or something else, but, but when, you, when you're on the the plane coming to D.C. or you're on the metro or wherever you are, it's just amazing to me what people are reading, even men. Most other places, men don't read anything wrong. And I think, I think this, is, this is part of being a man. Women share it too, though. You know what the number one issue for women is? What, that you feel shame? Do you know? Do you know what it is? With women, it's, 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 it's clearer than it is even for men. It's, it's your body image. You feel more shame to do with whether you're not tall enough or you're, you're not big enough or you're too big or you're not big enough in the right places or whatever it is, right? You feel shame about that. And so um, being strong, it, it's a real issue in our life. It's, it's real. And we face it kind of every day. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is I think there is a strength from God that's different than, than any other strength in this world. And it's, it's actually very counterintuitive to the strength of this world. Okay, so I get up in the morning and I'm trying to be strong. And, and even, even during a sort of a pressure-packed, uh, stressful month that I've been in, I'm still getting up in the morning because I, I want to be strong. But I really believe that God is, is trying to say to me, and I think he's going to try to say to you, there's another strength that is even, that far surpasses the normal strength of this world. And it is the strength that Jesus had. And, and what I want to tell you is, it's a very passive strength. Passive strength. And that's, that's not popular. We want active strength. We want to be able to show that we're strong and that people can recognize that in us and they can see that strength, whether it's physical or mental or emotional. And God is calling you. So let me, let me sort of t tell you, you know, what, what, I, what I'm talking about. And, and more than anything, you can see it in the life of Jesus Christ. Okay, and, and I, I'm a big fan of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ, and, 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 I, and I trust him, and I believe in his example, and I love to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because I love to see the story of who he was and who he is, okay? But you could see this in Jesus 
it began, it really began in the wilderness. If you, if you turn to Luke chapter 4, you will find that Jesus has just been baptized, okay? And, and right, right after he gets baptized, the Spirit of God leads him out into the wilderness, and that's Luke chapter 4. And he goes out in the wilderness, and he fasts for 40 days. Do y'all fast? Does anybody in here fast ever? Like four or five times a day? Yeah, okay, I get it, yeah. But I, I, one time I decided I was going to do some fasting, and I fasted for a week. Jesus fasted for over a month. Incredible. The Spirit, so the Spirit leads him out there, but you know what he's out there for? To be tempted. And he's out there, and he's, he's now he's hungry, and he's weak, and he's tired, and he's weary. And, the, and Satan is coming at him and tempting him with all sorts of things. And what I really believe Satan is tempting him with is, and I think this went on his entire life, he's tempting Jesus to be strong. And Jesus is trying to be passively strong, which is very hard to do. And so Satan looks at him and says, Jesus, what kind of a leader are you? You're not a leader at all. There's no such thing as a leader that's out in the wilderness all by himself. Look at you. Just look at you, Jesus. And if he had a mirror, I'm sure he showed it in Jesus' face. Look at that face. Is that the face of a leader? You're all gaunt. You're pale. You're like, you, it's like your skin is just hanging on you, Jesus. That's not the face of a leader. That's the face of a weak man. Now let me tell you something. I'm going to help you out here, Jesus. I can't believe I'm helping you because I know I'm your enemy, but I'm actually going to help you. Make some bread and eat it. You'll feel better, you'll look better, and people might actually follow you if you're not this skin and bones, hair all greasy. And Jesus says, no, no. I live by the words that come out of my Father's mouth. That's my bread. And so, and so then, and then, then Satan says, okay, let, let me help you out with something else here, Jesus. You can't be the leader of the, you know, of, the, of the church. Nobody even knows who you are. That's not strong. That's weak, Jesus. You're sitting here. You, you have no followers. You go back to Jerusalem. Jump off the temple. You need to do something. Do something that everybody can say, wow, that Jesus is incredible. Look at how strong he is. He jumped off the temple. Did he really do that? And everybody will talk about you. When you're out here in the wilderness, nobody's talking about you. They don't even know your name. And Jesus says, no, I, I, I'm not going to test the Lord that way. And so then I, I think as part of this temptation, Satan says to Jesus, all right, I can tell this is not going to work. So I'll tell you what. Why don't we just end this thing? Let's end this whole thing. I can tell you're not strong. I can tell you're not going to be a good leader. I can, I can tell there, there's just... You don't have it in you. So again, I'm going to do you a favor. Let's just end it all tonight. You bow down and worship me, and I'll give up. I will release the world to you, and I will leave. And Jesus says, no. No. I'm not doing that. I'm going to trust my Father. I'm going to have faith in my Father. I'm going to trust that he knows what he's doing, and I'm not going to listen to you. And, and Satan leaves. And he, and, he, and he waits for a more opportune time. But you can see that, that passive nature in Jesus where he just sort of had to just keep saying no. And he wasn't sure. 
because I think he, at times he probably felt like, I'm not a very good leader. How can I be a leader? And I'm telling you, Satan never tempts you with stuff that you don't care about. He's tempting you with stuff that bothers you. And I have a feeling it bothered Jesus all of his life. And you can see it later in his teachings. He, he, as he, he has... He, 5,000 people one time and that's just the men so it, it's probably more like somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people that he's got and anybody that preaches would love to have a church of 10 or 15,000 people and you could say look at me I'm the greatest preacher there is and people are attracted to me but Jesus starts teaching and he starts saying stuff like unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you can't be my disciple and 15,000 people said, yeah, I don't like that. That's not very good preaching. This is not the leadership that I wanted. This doesn't attract me. This doesn't stir my soul. And they left. And Jesus turned to the 12, the 12 apostles. And, and I don't think he was, it was a facetious question. I think he meant it for real. Are you going to leave too? I think Jesus saw 5,000 men, 12 men, zero what kind of a leader am I? I had this big crowd, and now they've all left as soon as I opened my mouth and started teaching. And he, used to, and he taught stuff like this. Unless you pick up your cross and give everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. And he always said stuff like that. And it's sort of like the theme of Jesus' marketing team was death. That's bad marketing. Nobody's ever liked death. Nobody's ever thought, you know, hey, I hope, hope we're going to the cemetery today. But, but that's, that's the way Jesus led. And he, he trusted that this, was, that this is what his father wanted because it never made him look strong. Nobody ever said, now that's strong preaching. That's the kind of preaching that I want to get up every Sunday. I guess for them it would be every Saturday morning and listen to that. Mm-mm. And, 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 and you, you could see him wrestling with this. Um, you could see it in his struggles. He, when, when you try to have passive strength in your life, your friends won't support you in that. And even other Christians won't support you in that. And that's what Jesus found. And in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is, is saying that... Um, that I, I am going to be, uh, he, he started sharing with them from that time, let me read you just a little bit here. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many all and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, none of that sounds strong. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and the, the leaders there are going to beat me up, attack me, arrest me, and they're going to kill me. Nobody's thinking, wow, you're a strong leader. They're thinking, that's not a leader at all. And there's no way that you came here to do that. And so Peter takes him aside and rebukes him and says, Jesus, never. That's never going to happen. I won't let it happen because I'm too strong for that. And I will, I will protect you. Even though you're weak, I'm strong. And I will never let that happen. And Jesus comes unglued on Peter. I, I think personally Jesus kind of overreacts to what Peter says. But, but if, whoops, sorry. 
<laughs> if you, um, in verse 23, Jesus says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Have all the jokes about that he's at the gates of heaven, right? That guy, Jesus is calling him Satan and saying, get behind me. And I think what he's saying is that, Peter, I wrestle with this stuff all the time. I can't take it from you. I'm trying to trust my father. I'm trying to be strong in the way that he wants me to be strong. And I can't have you telling me that that's weak. I, 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 just, I just can't, I can't, that's too much for me, Peter. And, and, and Jesus struggles with this, I, I really believe, all the time. I think what Jesus is trying to demonstrate to us is that there's something out there. There's something out there that is beyond your, your selfishness and be beyond your sinfulness. And it's beyond your cultural Christianity. It's beyond your vision. It's beyond your dreams. It's beyond your ambitions. It's beyond anything that you have ever asked or imagined. And this is how Jesus did it. He trained in suppressing his will. That's something that none of us like to do. I hate suppressing my will. I love feeding my will. But Jesus learned, that's what he was doing out in the wilderness. That's why he fasted for 40 days. He didn't want to not eat. He wanted to eat. He's a normal guy. He did, I don't even think he wanted to be alone out there. But he did it anyway. And he learned to suppress his will. In all of his life, he learned to suppress his own will. That's how he did it. He trained in being dependent upon God. In Mark chapter 1, it, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went to CrossFit. No. <laughs> he got up and prayed. He got up. It's still dark. Everybody else is still in bed asleep. And he gets up and he goes and talks to his father. And in Mark chapter 14, the Garden of Gethsemane, right? This is where Jesus, it's, he's, he's moments away from being arrested and the cross is about to start. And, and he, is, it's, he says that he is, um, he is so disturbed and, and he is hurting and he just feels like he can't do it. And he says to his, to his close disciples, he takes them aside and says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. I feel like I'm going to die. Have you ever been that upset? That's how upset Jesus is. I just don't think I can do this. And his disciples says, please watch over me and pray. And, and for an hour, he is on his face before his father and he's praying, talking to him about this. That's how Jesus did it. Now, what are, his, what are Peter, James, and John doing during this time? You know what they're doing? They're sleeping. You know, and I, I, think, I think what Peter, James, and John are thinking is, if there's something big coming, we better get a good night's sleep because in the morning we're going to have to be strong. And whenever, whatever this is that's going to happen, we're going to need to be strong and we're going to need to be quick on the draw so we can get that sword out and, and, and start swinging. And Jesus knows that's not the kind of strength that we're going to need when this happens. 
We're going to need a passive strength. And so and that's what Jesus is doing, and that's why Jesus can do it, and it's why they can't do it. And, and this passive strength of Jesus, and so you think about it, when, when Jesus is crucified, he's passive. He doesn't do anything. It's all being done to him. The cross is being done to him. He's not doing the cross. He's basically just sort of standing there. And, and they're, they're, they're beating him, and they're spitting on him, and they're punching him, and they're hitting him with things. And he's bleeding, and he's hurting, and he's crying out. But he doesn't really even say much. He just takes it. Strength, okay? And you can say, well, what's so great about passive strength? This is what's so great about it. The most powerful thing in the history of our world took place on the shoulders of a man who used passive strength. God used Jesus Christ in a way that was the most powerful thing that anybody has ever done in the history of the world. Nobody has ever even approached the strength that Jesus showed and the power that took place in his life that freed every single one of us from our sins. And we have a lot, and I have a lot, and I needed something very, very powerful to happen. I, I, no person was going to be able by their own strength to save me. I needed something different, and Jesus Christ did it. And you are being called to the same thing. But I want to read to you, I, I want to read to you the, the prophet Isaiah before this ever even happened, wrote about this. Hundreds of years before. And so you, I hope you can listen because I want you to, I'm going to read, a, I'm going to read a whole chapter. And hear the passive strength that the prophet Isaiah is saying is coming. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He's talking about Jesus Christ. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. That doesn't sound like a great leader. We're not going to elect this guy to anything. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed, and we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You can't lay that much iniquity on just anybody. Nobody else can take it. Nobody else is strong enough to take that. Only the passive strength of Jesus Christ. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. That's the passive nature I'm talking about. And that's the cross. It's happening. It's being done to him. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet 
Who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will, he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. I know that was a long reading, but the prophet Isaiah is describing the very passive strength of Jesus, and how powerful it will be, and what the effect will, will, will come from that. And, and, and here's, here's what I'm trying to say to you today. God is calling you to the same thing. He is calling you to learn how to have a passive strength about you where you are more trusting of God and you put more of your faith in him and you allow his strength to start stirring inside of you and it's different you can't flip tires with the strength that God will put inside of you. But you can stand up against Satan and all that Satan would do in this world. And God is calling his people to have this kind of strength so that it will be different and that the kingdom of God will be different than the kingdom of darkness and so that the church can be a light in this world that God can shine through and God can put burdens upon you that he can't put on anybody else because you've learned to be strong. But it is, it is so counterintuitive. And, and I, I was reading, you know, Dr. Gerald May in his book, Care of Mind and Care of Spirit. He's a psychiatrist. And he talks about how hard this is to do. He says, now what is needed is not heroic mastery, but the simplicity of becoming as a little child. Not self-determination, but self-surrender. Not self-assertion, but dying to self. And here's a psychiatrist calling us to the words of Jesus Christ to be passive in our strength. If my self-image is dependent upon what I can control or how much power I have, then experiences of surrender or humility in the face of God will be exceedingly threatening. If my self-image depends upon what I can do, then the silence and passive receptiveness of open prayer may prove extremely difficult. Hello, it is. Our, our self is tied around how strong we can be and you have to sort of let that go and have your strength be in the Lord. Everybody that I know that has ever done this has lived to love it. The Apostle Paul, all the things, of all the things that were done to him and he just took it. And he says at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. There's a crown set up for me. I, 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 just, I just can't wait to be with the God that has, has used me for all of this. There was, a, there was a bishop of Smyrna. His name was, it's a weird name. His name was Polycarp. 
And Polycarp was 86 years old when he was arrested by the Romans. And, and, the, and, the, and Caesar sent a, you know, his, his soldiers to go arrest Polycarp because he was one of the best-known Christians of his, of his day. And, and all Polycarp asked when they came to arrest him, he said, can you give me an hour? What is he going to do during his hour? What did Jesus do during his hour? And Polycarp prayed. And while he says, while I'm praying, we'll feed you. And so he instructed people, hey, feed these soldiers. And the soldiers announced Jesus and just say Caesar is Lord. You don't even have to mean it. Just say it. And, and, and Polycarp said these now very famous words. For 80 and 6 years, he has been faithful to me. How, how can I be unfaithful to him now? And, and, and so... They, they find they, they threatened him with all these things. You know, we're going to bring the, the lions and we're going we're gonna to burn. Finally, they said, we're going to burn you at the stake. And he says, bring it. And, and, the, and they, they, they tied his hands, but he begged them, please don't tie me to the post that you're going to burn me at. I'll stay. I won't move. The strength that God has put in me all for 86 years to be faithful, I'm going to stay there. I won't run. That's passive strength. That's an old man who's 86 years old who probably already should have been dead by now or senile or both is saying, I'm still alive and I'm, st I'm stronger now than I've ever been and I will stand by the pole while you light the fire. And they did and he did stay there. That's passive strength. And I promise you that Polycarp went on to his reward thankful that he had been faithful and thankful that he had that kind of strength. Everybody I know that has ever had this experience has lived to love it. And I told you earlier, that, earlier you know, at the beginning of this talk, that I feel like I am being called upon by God to have this kind of strength, and it's tough. But I just, I just know that as... In all of my life, the happiest moments of my life has always been when I am most deeply surrendered to God. And when I have allowed his strength to, to well up inside of me, those are absolutely the happiest moments of my life. And so I think you should allow God to call you to that very same thing. He is calling you to have a deeper faith than you do. A faith that really goes against where it's not just God is saying to you, would you please let me be part of your life? What God is saying to you is, I want to be everything of your life. I want to take over. I want to lead. And you can trust me. Y'all were just singing that you trust God and you trust his intentions. Then show him. And this is tough. And I know it. But Jesus Christ showed the way. And he's calling you to do the same thing. Let me lead us in, in, a, in a word of prayer. Father, we try to surrender to you. We try to be open to you. And we try to let you have your way. Forgive us, Father, when we, when we don't let you when we are stubborn and we just feel like we have to hold on to this world and the things of this world. I just pray for every person here this morning, Father, that you would pour your spirit into their lives, you would protect them from Satan, and you would lead them to, to be strong and that you, your power would be able to flow through them. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.